Hey, pardon my take, listeners. You can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. On today's pardon my take, we are about to embark to New Orleans for the Final Four. We'll talk a little of that. We have Bruce Arians stepping down as head coach, totally on his own volition. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, Schefter re-signed. We'll catch up on all the news. We have Firefest, and we also have a great interview in studio with Judd Apatow. Uh, we're going to do that all in a second. We are brought to you by our friends at Venmo. Venmo, Venmo, Venmo. Listen, if you are uh, going out this weekend and you maybe, hey, someone's getting getting the drinks, someone's getting the meal, Venmo you later. That's the way to do it with Venmo. Uh, what's the longest time it took for you to pay someone back, Billy? I'm part of the Venmo generation. I pay him back like this. Bam. That's it right there. That's beautiful. That wasn't even part of the ad, and Billy just dunked on everyone. Are you going to pay us back the spreadsheet winnings? Yes, as All soon right. as I get them. Love it. So that's what you do when you have Venmo, when you're paying friends back. Make sure you use Venmo. Reminder, they're giving out $100,000 to AWLs throughout the basketball season. Send a Venmo payment for any amount and include hashtag PMT in the payment note for a chance to win up to $500 if you win, screenshot your winnings, post it to Twitter or Instagram, and tag Pardon My Take. Venmo is the easiest way to send money to friends or receive money from friends. Uh, you can pay people back. You can pay it forward. Whatever you want to do, if you use the hashtag PMT, it could be a cent. You could send one cent and use the hashtag PMT, and you would be eligible for uh, up to $500 for free from Venmo. That's what they're doing all basketball season. Thank you to Venmo. Okay. Let's go. Pardon my take, presented by Barstool Sports. Welcome to Pardon My Take, presented by Venmo. Use the hashtag PMT in any transaction during basketball season. They will send some of you a free $500. They're sending out $100,000 in free money to AWLs. Today is Friday, April 1st. I want Coach K to win. Haha, <laughs> April Fool's. Good one. Yep, That's got a good it. one. There we go. Be very woke online today. Yes. The brands were silent over the past couple of years. I feel like this is the year that they make a comeback where you remember the the original one I remember everybody being fooled about was actually kind of pre-internet where Taco Bell said that they purchased the Liberty Bell. Yes. Do you remember that one? Yes. 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 That actually, was genius. Yeah, genius I, move. I, I am uh I, I can now say it because it's airing on April first. The, the greatest thing that's ever been said to me in, in the history of the world was when Frank the Tank came up to me on Monday and he goes, so Big Cat, I'm working on my April Fool's joke. And I was like, go on, tell me everything. I will not, I will not tell anyone because I don't want to ruin it, but April Fool's, be woke. Um, we are in the studio right now. We are departing for New Orleans right after we record this. World War Three, UNC Duke. Kansas Nova, Kansas Nova is such it's so it's so sad how much of an undercard it is. But UNC Duke, this podcast might change forever. The vibes, 
Hank, wh- how are you feeling? We, By the way, we will be recording time capsules over the weekend to make sure that we have maybe maybe even Saturday night drunk. If we if if something crazy happens, we'll maybe record something. This is and, a major future us, thing yeah, no, because no. we are yeah. going to be out in New Orleans yeah. for I, most of the day, and then we're going to go to the game where they will be serving booze, and then we're mm-hmm. probably but it would not be funny going to want for the people. It would be funny for the people. I I will say, let's I, think about. I'm it. thinking right now. I'm thinking seventy percent. We're going to do a time cap. I something think it tells we, me that it's entirely dependent on the outcome of the Duke. I would Carolina say that's game. fair. Yeah, that yeah. Would, that'd be fair to say. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good well, bet. My own propriety algorithm has the chances of UNC winning at seventy percent. Wow, wow. So Hank, how are you feeling going into it? I feel good. I basically base my feelings just on how worried you are, and you know, day by day, it's kind of not you know not to call you a crazy person, but it's like you know mm, I'll come in and before be I crazy, go up to yeah. the to the suit suite, I'll I'll come over and and see Big Cat, and and he basically just starts. He's already talking to himself, just going through his list and like his ever-growing document of Coach K. Like today, I walked up and he's like, "You remember Stephen F. Austin?" And I was like, "It's ten o'clock in the morning. Like, what? Yeah. Who cares?" That yeah. was a crazy, crazy loss because it was <laughs> yeah, at home like, and they were like not even close to being ranked. And the way that they lost at the last very second of the game on that yeah. layup. But the memorable part was three days later when Coach K said that he was dealing with an illness during the loss, and that's why he wasn't feeling himself. Mm-hmm. So really, it doesn't count. Verbal meme, you're the guy at the, the coffee table sitting there with the sign that just says, like, please come talk to me about well, anti-Duke rhetoric, okay. and I will, I will engage with you. <laughs> okay, well, good, good. I'm happy you brought this up, Hank, because I live rent-free in your head. Um, I have put together uh, a document that our very talented colleague Quiggs is working on right now to, to fix up, where it will be a piece of paper, double-sided, that people can print out. It will be the size that you can put into your wallet that just has a list of everything that pisses me off about Coach K. So when you see a Duke fan this weekend, whether you're in New Orleans or in just regular life, you will have the information to fight back. Do you have the fact that uh, that he works at a private school, so there's no FOIA request? Oh yeah. Possible? Oh well, we have a whole we Do have you- I have a whole part that just Coach K cheats. Uh, please note that everyone cheats. We don't care that people cheat in college basketball. But we just care the fact that no one calls out Coach K for cheating. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything about his military service record? I don't. Yeah. That part is blank. I do have a fun fact that I, uh, I, I threw out there to some of the Duke fans. Um, since the pros started playing in the Olympics, uh, how many coaches coached, coached, head coached multiple Olympic teams? So, so Pop did it. Yep. Um, Larry Brown, did he do it? He coached, but I'm saying multiple teams. How did Larry Brown do? Multiple teams. Yeah. Uh, I think if Larry Brown won as many gold medals as Coach K won, they would have never needed teams, Coach PFT. K. Excuse me, the question was oh, multiple Phil teams. Phil Jackson? Uh, nope. So the answer is just Coach K. Oh, So it's kind of an unspoken rule that a coach coaches the USA team, then lets someone else have a crack at it. Coach K coached it three times. Every other coach since pros uh, started playing in the Olympics, one time. That is interesting. And here's a weird thing. I don't know if this is related at all, but Coach K's recruiting classes, when he started, uh, averaged around 17th in the country. By the end of his three Olympic tour that is just completely ridiculous, he was averaging uh, the two-and-a-half best class in the country. Maybe maybe being able to like call LeBron James on FaceTime or Kobe Bryant probably helped a little bit. Well, LeBron is basically a Duke alum. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. These are... These are all these facts that I've armed you with, so uh, make sure you take a take a look at that and print that out. And make I sure just you walk around with that. I just think that it would be the best possible ending 
to his career if he were to lose against UNC. Mm. If he loses in the championship, it's that's not as good to me. Yeah. I don't want him to. If he makes it to the championship, you might as well just hand it to him because they're, they're not going to let Coach K lose in the championship game. No. The perfect ending would be if he were to lose against his arch rival, UNC. You'd have to say his career would be a disappointment yes. if it ended. Uh, legacy tarnished. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know like Coach K doesn't care about money. He cares about the kids and, and championships. Because in 2004, he was offered the Lakers job, and he said uh, the allure of coaching in college has no price. And then he went on to get paid double what Roy Williams got paid every single year for 17 years. That is interesting. Hmm. That's just that's interesting. That's it's just an kids. interesting just fact to write down. Yeah, that's also in the, the sheet. So be on the lookout for the sheet. I'm very excited. I think they're going to smoke UNC, and then I'm rooting Why for- are you so confident about it? I'm actually very nervous. I, I'll be right. honest with you. I do think that Duke is going to win the national title. I've I've kind of mentally prepared that in the back of my head. Um, and so much so that, like, I have a future on Nova, and I'm rooting against myself because I think Kansas has a better chance of beating Duke than Nova shorthanded. I think it's nice that Coach K elected to step away from the game and, and hand down his coaching ranks to one of his guys mm-hmm. to let them take over so that way they yes. didn't have to fire him and then go about finding a new coach, doing the whole search. All of his assistants would have gotten fired. Yes. I think it's just very classy That's what true. he's done. This obviously will be a tough look for me, but you know we've been to many of these events, Big Cat, you and I, mm-hmm. and you know we've had stakes like this before. Mm-hmm. And I just I know how it goes. We know how it goes. We've done it before. You know we'll do it again, and I'm I'm just excited to relive that uh, with you on Saturday night. Mm. There mm. should be there should be some sort of wager involved. Mm. I I don't I have so much emotionally involved at this point that. I don't even have to bet the game. I'm rooting that hard. So, Hank has to get a cat? Yeah. Okay. Win or lose. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Win or lose, Hank has to get a cat. Hank's coming home from New Orleans. If you see Hank out and about in New Orleans, like it's kind of like the rule, the old part of my take rule. If you see Billy in public, slap him. If you see Hank out in New Orleans and you approach him with a cat, he has to take it. Yeah, it's like getting to. ice. He has to accept it. Yeah. <laughs> Bring yeah, all the take cats. Take a knee, take yeah. a knee, and then, and then just rub your face on the cat. Yeah. Bring bring Hank a cat in New Orleans. <laughs> it's I mean it's going to be great because we haven't been to a Final Four game obviously in a while. Live sports rule. We haven't been back to New Orleans since uh, the LSU national championship. Basically, the start of COVID. That was the last non-COVID event we went to. That was the last fun weekend in the United States. Yeah, it was that weekend. Yeah, right? and, and I'm so excited. Actually, I made a quick checklist of things that I want to do right before the show started because New Orleans is my favorite city in the entire country. Oh wow, maybe the world. Okay, um, I want to eat something so spicy that I cry. Mm, I like that. I, I want to purchase and lose a souvenir giant alcohol container of some type. Yep. I want to get slapped in a bar. Yep. And bonk. What? <laughs> That's not a bonk. I just want to get boy or girl. Yeah, by a girl, obviously. Okay. By, yeah, update yeah. it. Yeah, um, and I want to make a friend named Cody. Okay. I feel like there's Cody. a lot of Codys running around New Orleans. I know. I know a couple. I've actually met on two separate occasions in New Orleans. Good friends named Cody, and oh, they're wow. always Cody's always a fun hang. Yeah, uh, dude, perfect. Isn't there a Cody? I think there are two. <laughs> there might be. That's why they're perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's gonna be a great, great time. Uh, Hogs for Cause will be will be Hogs out there. Hogs for Cause is going to be incredible. Be at uh, walk-ons on Friday and Monday. On Friday and Monday. Come out, say what's up. Yep. We, we're doing, actually, this is a perfect time. We got a new sponsor alert. Me, me, me. New sponsor alert. Uh, Raising Canes, which we'll be doing some stuff with them down in New Orleans. Raising Canes uh, only has one love, craveable chicken finger meals. Order online at RaisingCanes.com. This is the easiest ad I've ever read because who doesn't love 
Chicken fingers. Love it. And it's, I, they're the best. I love Raising Cane's chicken fingers. I also, I think their first place outside of Louisiana was in Charlottesville, Virginia when I was living there. I went through the drive-thru. Their Texas toast changed my life. It's Raising Cane's is a phenomenal, phenomenal place. I will be eating Raising Cane's this weekend for sure. Uh, Raising Cane's only uses the highest quality ingredients to serve our customers a great-tasting chicken finger meal. Raising Cane's chicken finger meals are cooked to order to ensure they're hot and fresh every time. Order online at RaisingCane's.com. I am going to, yeah, I'm going to be eating so many chicken fingers, I might turn into a chicken finger. Thank you to Raising Cane's new sponsor alert. Raising Cane's only has one love, craveable chicken finger meals. Order online at RaisingCane's.com. I think we're also going to meet the Raising Cane's dog, which I'm very excited about. And I will not be feeding him chicken fingers. I'm going to keep them for myself. Um, he probably does eat chicken fingers, though, right? You'd imagine the yes. Raising Cane's dog does. Absolutely. Um, so, wait, where, where, what was I going to say? Oh, we're going to be at walk-ons. Uh, what else for New Orleans? Are you? I don't think you're nervous enough. You're confident. I'm, you're cocky. I am confident. He's cocky. I am Hank. confident. Well, so this is uh, all right. So when, when Hank was telling it's like us, one of those, it's like a, it's a scale, hey, and Big Cat's fear is is picking my confidence okay, up. So what I what I've noticed in this dynamic is last week when it was the Texas Tech Duke game, the game of the year, Hank was walking around telling us how nervous we were, and that's how I can tell when Hank's nervous. Big Cat telling Hank that Hank isn't nervous enough is a sign to me that Big Cat's oh, nervous. Oh, I'm very nervous. I am so nervous. It's I what what's at stake here? And obviously it's not like I hate Coach K and you love Duke, but like I'm talking about for other fans. I'm nervous. I'm actually nervous for UNC fans and Duke fans alike, even though I don't I hope Duke fans suffer. But like this type of game where the stakes could not be higher. I was trying to think about it. Like, there are no like, what would be a similar situation in college sports? Because it's, they end each other's season now. They it, never get to end each other's season. It would it would the, be Ohio State, Michigan in the semifinals. Yeah. I also yeah. think a, a comparable one that you were involved on the right side on is, like, a perfect season. Like, the fact that you guys, you know, the Kentucky perfect season. Oh, yeah. Like, that is – the stakes were that high. Yeah. Like, the, higher than just a regular game. Like, they were super, super high because it's, like, a perfect season is – Hanging in the balance. Yeah, so perfect season definitely has it. But, like, th I know that the, the joke that we keep making is, like, oh, they've never played. Have you heard that stat? But it is kind of crazy that they've never been in a situation where they could – they someone's season ends. Mm -hmm. Someone's season is completely over. Because, like, even when you look back, which it's crazy to look back at that game, Coach K's funeral at Cameron – um, I would say that neither of these teams would be here in the Final Four if that game didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Like, UNC gained a lot of confidence, and Duke figured out, like, holy shit, we can't just, sh you know, show up and they beat got, people. They got the chip on their shoulder right. in that game. Now, if UNC wins, what are the chances that Coach K delivers a speech after the game? Like, oh, saying goodbye. I want dude, that. He's I absolutely would. I don't think – I think he just leaves the arena, doesn't even talk to his own players he's if he leaves. He's probably going to invite himself into the UNC locker room and, and try to give a speech like he did uh, when he lost a 14-seed Mercer. And he mm -hmm. went and tried to coach the other team. And it just happened that all the cameras were there and caught that on camera. And who's the um, kid that he said, you're too good – to be celebrating like that at the end of the game? Well, which time? There was uh, Dylan Brooks, and there yeah, was Dylan also Brooks. Virginia Tech in 2007 when he did that as well um, to Zabian Dowdle. So he he can't he went we up could to forget, him. and he also lied about that one when he said when they asked him afterwards. He's like, no, I just said I, I congratulated him, and both players were like, no, 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 he scolded us. Yeah, it turns out Zabian Dowdle uh, was not too good. 
yeah. to be showboating at the end. That's actually a perfect use of Zabian Daddle's time. Yeah, to, to, uh, yeah, it turns out a college kid who has like the 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 best night of their life is going to be happy about yes. it. Zabian Daddle beat Duke. Mm-hmm. That's that's his career highlight. He was well within his rights to show off. Do you know what uh, what weird one that I found today that I kind of respect in a like fucked up way? How do you how, where do you look for these? Can I? Ask I just that? like I have a sheet that I went off and I added to it today. But like, do you um, just go on Google and just like oh message board search for game logs? You go on stuff. You go on you, if you search for like uh, quotation mark D O O K in quotation mark, then you get to the good message boards mm-hmm. of all the other ACC teams, mm-hmm. and they have their own lists. Um, in uh, I think it was twenty. I can't remember when it was. What year it was? Maybe twenty twenty or maybe twenty nineteen. Uh, Coach K said that uh, the fans should have given them a standing ovation after they beat Florida State. And they, they don't know how to cheer correctly. And then he showed old clips of Cameron Crazies to the fans, scolding them, being like, this is how you do it. <laughs> which I like respect that kind of fucking senile craziness. Which he's not senile because he's been doing this his whole career. That's I love the best that. Part. I love that. Yeah. Good for um, Coach. In a weird way, the sport will not be oh, as enjoyable without Coach K. I absolutely admit two things. One, he is the best college coach of all time. I will admit that. Two, uh... I will miss him because I hate him so much. And that's what's the beauty of sports is hating things is just as fun as rooting for things. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Jake, how are we feeling? You're credentialed. I am very excited. got my suits packed. Suits, plural. Yeah, it's Saturday and Monday. Can you ask Can you ask Coach, Coach K about PFT? Pete Goddett? What's up? Are your suits packed? My suits? Why would I be packing a suit? We're going on a work trip. I don't yeah. need a suit. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's your thing. <laughs> a nice dinner. Maybe I'll pack a suit. Yeah. You should. You're talking to me. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to pack a suit. Let's go. There we go. <laughs> Ask him about Pete Gaudet. We can work out a question. That's like in the middle of something you would ask and something I would ask, but not something that I would get weird looks at at the press conference. Okay, then here. How about this? Do this instead. Ask when Pete Gaudet took over for Duke because Coach K was had such bad debilitating back injury that he couldn't walk. Why then did Vince Carter go on a recruiting trip to Coach K's house and said afterwards uh, he was up and about and he didn't seem like a guy who had a bad back problem. That's interesting. That would be a good – I would want to hear the answer to that question. I have so many facts. As a sports <laughs> a little too far for me, but uh, I'll keep thinking. Uh, don't, aren't you happy, Hank, that I have found a passion? I don't know. <laughs> I'm worried about your health. I am too. No, you're. this is fine because it's all building up for one moment. And then we're either going to get the the ultimate crash. There's passion, then there's obsession. Yeah, well, that's fine. Listen, when Big Cat says like someone's renting, like living rent free in your house, that's fine. It's it's fine. Like having somebody live rent free in my head, if they're a famous person, is totally normal because it brings up the property value of the rest of my mm-hmm. brain. Yeah, to have somebody like that on my block. Yeah, Good sure. Point. You can live. Yeah, LeBron can live rent free in my brain. That's oh, totally fine. I've been roommates with Coach K for the whole month. We've just been hanging out in my brain together. It's fine. I'm fine with that. There was one person who tweeted me that made me a little more nervous. When he's like, all this legacy talk with Coach K, why aren't we talking about your legacy if Coach K wins the championship? And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, it does tarnish your legacy. <laughs> My legacy's ruined. Although, at the same time, it's good to have like something that you can always bring up in perpetuity against Big Cat. If you're ever mad at him about something, to be like, Don't oh, do he, this. he's the guy that, that got owned by Coach K. Don't do this. Multiple to a, times. To a permanent extent. Many times, yeah. But but you're uh, you're feeling good. This is your first Final Four you're ever covering. Yeah, I, I, with a credential. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited. Where do you think you'll be sitting on Saturday night? 
way up top the nosebleeds anything but the roof i mean i'm if even if i'm in the building that's all i care about yeah what if they're what if the you're roof. not what if they're like hey we got a seat for you it's actually in this truck and you're gonna just watch it that would be interesting as okay. long as you get the lanyard <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you should do a uh, a diet coke review Ooh, you have to walk out with the cups it's only the NCAA cups. Oh, yeah. on that. There's yep. a sign in the tunnel. All right. Mm-hmm. I want everyone should be following Jake this weekend, documenting everything because yeah. you got to document it all. It's going to yeah. be great. But I can go on the court pre and post game. That'll wow. Be awesome. Wow. Yeah. Would be a shame if you trip someone, someone who's like 75 ish. What are the rules about leaving banana peels in front of the coach's box? I would like to bring a laser like they did to the soccer players. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, those lasers were nuts. Yeah, yeah, that was um. Who who was it in the NFL? Was it? I want to say the Raiders, and I want to say it was Connor Cook that it, got lasered in one game. That was that the game in Mexico. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very funny to see someone getting lasered. It's it's always a shock to me that it doesn't happen more often in yes. the United States. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Either way, I'll be at Coach K's last ever press conference. Depends if it's Monday night after a win or a loss Saturday or Monday. I don't wow. think he's going to do a press conference if he loses. Yeah, I no, really he don't. Will. I think he. I think he's going directly to his car and leaving. Last yeah. post game press conference, he's, I should say, because I guarantee he's going back to Durham for like an official. Yeah, like, that's farewell. where. That's yeah. where around the friendly media, it's either people that yeah. have been sucking his dick for thirty years, or new student journalists that he's too mean to, so they're afraid yes. to ask him anything. I like this PFT. Let's go. Let's I mean, get that hate up. Listen, no, I, everything you said is true. I, I liked Duke in the '90s, and then Coach K turned into. A real weirdo. Yeah. After that, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? I'm out. I'm yeah. out. Yeah. I, can't, I really I can't don't do dislike it. Duke. I don't dislike Coach K. There's one person in this building, is the reason why I want them to lose this year, and it's not Hank. It's Marty. Marty Mush. Yeah. Yeah. Contentious. Yeah. And I've been open about that. It's not like a yeah. No, that's fair. That, see, like, this is good to get obnoxious. the hate out. Yeah, get the hate out. Yeah. Like this is. It's hate week. You it's know what? good to have hate. Like, Coach K attracts people like Marty Mush. That's mm-hmm. the biggest indictment that you can make on yes. the guys. Like, yeah. look, at who is, look at who Coach K's acolytes are. The real riders of Coach K. Yes. Just yes. scum. Just yes. scum. The hate week is great. Billy, what do you hate? Give us something you hate. Because I've noticed all week, like, I've been... I've been replying to people more on Twitter and like just had I've been at like a fever pitch all week. Someone pointed out to me, I was like, you know what? It is because I'm I'm on high alert. It's not a normal week. This is World War Three in college basketball. Billy? Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Eat yeah. the rich, Billy. Yes, Billy. Lib Way football. Libby football over there. Fucking love it, dude. Put a rose next to your name on Twitter. Um, all right, what else we got to talk about? Bruce Arians. That was very expected, so much so that I think we've talked about it many times. So um, there are a lot of people out there that are mostly Bucks fans that are just reading the press releases and regurgitating what they're hearing, which is, oh, this was just a personal decision by Coach Arians to step away so he could get his guy Todd Bowles installed and they wouldn't have to do a coaching search and fire all the assistant coaches. Now, I think what really happened here is uh, people with brains will agree that there was some sort of deal made between Tom Brady and the Glazer family mm-hmm. when he went overseas to the soccer game and he told them that he was going to come back and then on the condition that Bruce Arians is no longer... Because Bruce Arians is a... I, I like Bruce Arians. I think he's an awesome football guy and he's a hilarious individual. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but I also think that Tom Brady, 
after two years of dealing with Bruce Arians, basically calling him out and blaming him for losses, and Tom Brady being like, wait, I'm Tom Brady. Right. That is going to get old pretty quickly. It's Two things can be true at the same time. Bruce Arians is a great guy. Bruce Arians has done a lot for uh, minority hires, for female hires. He's like very much from everything you read about Bruce Arians, the one time we interviewed him, he cares deeply about his staff. He cares about setting everyone up and like the success of the people that work underneath him, unlike maybe a Coach K with Tommy Amaker kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But – Bruce Arians, like, that can be true, and it can also be true that Tom Brady was like, yeah, I'm coming back, but Bruce Arians can't be my coach anymore. Yeah, and people are saying, like, it's a coincidence. The report that, uh, I forget the guy's name, it's NFL Stroud. Yeah, he's uh, a Bucks beat writer. He's probably the most plugged-in guy right. with the Bucks, and he was saying that either the day that Tom Brady decided he was coming back or the day after was when Bruce Arians all right. of a sudden d decided that he was also not going to be coming back next year. And it's like, wait, do you, that's, that's a pretty big coincidence. That, the only thing that I could think of, Hank, and you'll appreciate this, that would be close to that is if maybe like somebody decided or they started dating a supermodel like right after, like the day after they broke up with their pregnant girlfriend. That would be kind of a similar coincidence. For a second there, I was like, wait, is this J-Lo or, or an athlete? But I think he's talking about Brady. Yeah. Allegedly. Hypothetically. <laughs> like, the day after. It's weird that he met Giselle, like, the second after. Well, you would that assume that. That's you would assume if that, what you what you put forward, that, you know, the person who got uh, dumped would hate Tom Brady and would never say anything positive about him or support him, right? No, well, it's funny you bring that up because in this situation, <laughs> Tom Brady showed up to Bruce Arians' retirement press conference, sat in the front row, big smile on his face, put out a great statement talking about how wonderful of a person he is. Bruce Arians had nothing but nice things to say about Tom Brady himself, too. So I think... Seems like you're a conspiracy theorist. Do you think the slap was fake, too? No, I think the slap was oh, very real. Interesting. I'm I'm just happy that this is happening because when PFT started that joke, I was like, "Holy fuck, is he coming at? Is he coming at a Rod?" And then when I realized, I like put I sl I put my sword down and I was like, "Oof, I can sit this one out. <laughs> you guys just go for it." Now, to be fair, I haven't brought that up in probably like four years. I used to bring it up a lot more often. Yeah, and then yeah, like Bridget's just been you know nothing but supportive of him in the past five years, so it's kind of a tough tough sell. Yeah. No, it's just interesting. That's all. But I, I think anybody out there that's making the argument that this is a coincidence, well. Is, just delusional. Did you see that there's also I, – I, I read somewhere that, like, Bruce Arians and the Bucks were, had to clear up one formality at the owner's meeting, and that's why it was announced today. It's like, wait, what? No. it's. I think it's probably because you wanted to put two or three weeks in between Tom Brady coming back and Bruce Arians retiring. I mean, like I said, we all saw this coming. We talked about it. I don't think like Bruce Arians. I don't know. If, I don't know what the criteria for Hall of Fame coach is, but he's an all-time coach, and uh, yeah, I I also think that Tom Brady was sick of dealing with him, mm -hmm. and, and and the Antonio Brown thing definitely plays into it because it's very clear this has happened twice now where Tom Brady has vouched for Antonio Brown, wants Antonio Brown on the team because guess what, Tom Brady's a psycho competitor in a, like the best possible way, and he wants basically like as many as much help to to win a Super Bowl and Antonio Brown would have helped them win a Super Bowl uh so when that falls out it's probably like well fuck you dude why couldn't you just figure it out with Antonio Brown he's a really good receiver and I also fully believe that we're never going to hear from Bruce Arians or Tom Brady or the Bucks anything to the contrary of what they've already said Correct. which is like this is the story that we're going to stick to but I also think that you know you can add one and one together and see yes. exactly what's happening yes um also, also, Todd Bowles coming back. Yeah. Todd Bowles 
my top 10 NFL head coach. He might be right away with his team. Sometimes you just say things out loud yep. if, if you have a take, and then you look dumb for a couple years after the fact. But then if you wait long enough, guess what? That take's coming back around if he wins a Super Bowl in his first year. with Tom. I don't think any head coach has won a Super Bowl um, in their first year with Tom Brady ever. No, wait. Was Bruce, Was that the first year? Was that it was the first year. Yeah, that was the first year. That was definitely the first year. Well, Todd Bowles was. Todd Bowles also won. <laughs> like Todd Bowles would become as most recently as could be. It, Todd Bowles would be the first coach in NFL history <laughs> to win two Super Bowls in their first two years with Tom Brady. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Todd Bowles is one of those guys. Like he, it will be. It will be fun to see how he does this year because it's 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 one of those experiments that we get ever so often where it's like, was it the Jets or was it Todd Bowles? Mm-hmm. Like when we got Sam Darnold going to the Panthers, it was like, was it the Jets or Sam Darnold? Turns out both. Yeah, and they're going to keep Byron Leftwich around. Yeah, and so he was the guy that was calling the plays last year. I believe. Yes, so yes. I I think the Bucks are just going to be back to being good. They're going to be really good. And they're going to in the NFC like they they now the craziest part about it is um, Matt Rule is the longest tenured coach in the NFC South. That is crazy. Right. So, I mean, it's – and you look at the flaws of the other teams, and then you have Tom Brady and, and the continuity. It's like, all right, Bucks will be in the playoffs. I'm going to miss seeing Bruce Arians on the sideline with his, his face turning progressively redder as the season goes yep. on. I'm going to miss the strap that he had across his stomach. It's He's going to be – just to say B.A. B.A., yeah, yeah. B.A. was cool. He had awesome hats, good transition lenses. Yeah. He's going to be in the front office now, which I think they're just – I think what the Bucks ended up saying was – all right, Bruce, you can still come to games, and it will be an open bar for you. Right, right. Like, well, okay. You can be in the suite with the Glazers, and you're good. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And if you want, your parking spot stays there. If you want to come hit the hot tub whenever, mm-hmm. you're good to go. Um, Schefter got paid. That's the other news. He got paid. He's staying at ESPN. Congratulations, We lost Schefter. in the bidding war. He's um, he's done a tremendous job increasing his own value mm-hmm. over the course of the last couple of years. So yeah. I, it would have been weird if Schefter went to – like a gambling company. Yes. And everybody would just completely 100% doubt every report that he put out. They'd be so mad They'd, all the time, myself included. Yeah, and it would be weird for the most powerful information broker in the NFL to also be working for a company that sets lines. I'm yes. you know what? This is a benefit if you're a gambler. Because yes. if you work for a company like MGM, then they would adjust the lines before you were able to get a good hit on it. So we we all actually won in yes. Adam Schefter's negotiation. Yes. By the way, PFT uh, Quig just texted me. Look how beautiful this is. That's that's very handy. So it's yeah. about the size of a debit card. Yep. And it's it's double sided. And I'm going to tweet it out so everyone can walk around with their Coach K uh, factoids. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just doing something for the people. Um, anything else before we get to Judd Apatow? Uh, Leroy reported that Tiger Woods is coming back to play in the Masters. Ah. He had a hot scoop, hot source. He said that he's like eighty five percent sure on it. Okay, so that's more. That's Up way percent from an hour ago. That's that's way way more sure than he usually is on this type of information. So he is a ghost dog, but he's also a good dog. So okay, we're we're rooting for him to be right on this one. All right, I mean it's going to be great if Tiger Woods is playing the Masters. How do you boop a ghost? I don't know. I think you just. You, I'll I'll buy a Ouija board. Yeah, and just write boop on it. Should we bet? Can you ask Leroy if we should bet on? On Tiger Woods? Yeah. I will. Okay. I'll check in with him. I think you kind of have to for the story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even though the odds are probably, like, it's probably bad odds because everyone bets on Tiger Woods, but I don't imagine th- if he won. I think that the, the PGA Tour, golf in particular, is probably the toughest sport to say, like, hashtag PGA rigged. Yeah. 
Because yeah. there's a lot that ha- that the actual golfers have to do. There's yes. no referees. And we have uh, Max Homa on next Wednesday, so we'll transition quickly from New Orleans to the Masters. Great interview with him. We already taped it. Um, he's going to make the cut. He's going to make the cut. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's get to our interview with Judd Apatow. Before we do that, PFT, you had a quick word from one of our sponsors. Yeah, before we get there, I want to talk to you about Mountain Dew. I got my Mountain Dew spark right in front of me. This year... Mountain Dew signed a new roster of athletes, ballers with personalities as bold as their flavors and the ability to ignite a stadium full of fans in an instant. They're the unsung heroes of the Mountain Dew Spark Squad, and they were given a special mission this March. If they scored in a game where their team wins, Mountain Dew would dump a truckload of free Mountain Dew on campus for Hoops fans to enjoy. The Mountain Dew Spark Squad had fan favorite players Carter Booth of Iowa State, Avery Hughes of Arkansas, and Andrea Catramatos of Baylor. Unfortunately, despite some heroic efforts, our Spark Squad member teams have been eliminated from competition. But this is the good news. Mountain Dew still wants to honor these awesome athletes. So Baylor, Iowa State, Arkansas, be on the lookout for Mountain Dew on your campus in the following weeks. They're going to bring a truckload of of free Mountain Dew to your campus if you're at Baylor, Iowa State, or Arkansas. So be on the lookout for that. In the coming weeks, Mountain Dew will be there. And now, here's Judd Apatow. Okay, we now welcome on recurring guest, uh, Judd Apatow, in person. Last time you were on, it was via Zoom. You have uh, all your work from the pandemic out this week it's basically everything Stacking is out it. yeah Stacking it. so uh 329 sicker in the head his new book is coming out and a bunch of new interviews with comedians and i was reading about it and you know in-depth interviews with some people that everyone knows great conversations and then your new netflix movie uh the bubble coming out on april 1st yes so everything is out right now and there's more in may on hbo is a two-part George Carlin documentary. Okay, so you, we could say Judd Apatow's in the news this week. Workaholic. Well, I like to get it all done at once because if I spread them, I gotta gotta go do... All this. the press right. again. Yeah. Right, exactly. I right. just exactly. stack it all up. Exactly. It's, smart. it's Judd Week. This yes. Week. So what's what's the one, if you were to tell people, what's the correct order to consume everything that you're putting out? Is there, is there a beginning, middle, end? Interesting. I mean, I think it's a pretty good order because you'd start with the book, You'd learn about the people who make comedy, their problems, their emotions, their process. Then you'd see the bubble. We'd all commiserate about what a nightmare a lot of the lockdowns were, how crazy we all went. And then you'd land at the George Carlin documentary as he dissects what is wrong with society. That, and that and George Carlin is, is a great person to have a documentary about because every time... Like something happens in the world, George Carlin has yeah. a, a stand-up bit that's like, oh, he predicted this, or he's exactly correct yeah. about this. Sometimes in like 1971, yeah, mm-hmm. like like, and and it it is really weird that a, a man who has been dead for about uh, coming on like 14, 15 years, when things happen in the news, he trends worldwide because of just a, a video, right, where he co- was the commentator on it, and he either predicted it. Or just captured what was fucked up about right. The issue. It's always perfect. I also feel like with, with Carlin and uh, Orwell too is kind of like this, where anytime something happens, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, yeah, people like cherry pick things that he says and like yes. see, they both, Car- they both Carlin would have been on my side on this, yeah. one. right? 
Because yeah, right. he was a free speech absolutist. He thought that less speech was much more dangerous. Yeah. And he also came from an era where you could go to jail for speaking your mind or cursing. He would get fired from clubs and concerts if he spoke out against Vietnam, mm. things like that. So, it, But he didn't live long enough to see algorithms and you know YouTube and Facebook and, and the way things get distributed and how people are hypnotized by uh, what's going into their feed. And I asked his daughter, Kelly, what would he think about all of that? And she said, there's no way to predict it. And whatever it would be, it would blow your mind. Right. Mm -hmm. But she's like, there's no way to know what what he would make of it. Yeah, you can't say like, oh, he would have hated this, like, you know, definitively, because you don't, that's the genius of George Carlin, is he has a take that no one else had thought of. But he basically was disappointed in people. I mean, that was his thing. He was an idealist who who became sad that we didn't take better care of each other, didn't take better care of the world, of the planet. And, and he felt like, you know, corporate interests were taking advantage of all of us and wanted us dumb and just dumb enough to help them make money. And that that was his general philosophy. Okay, so maybe he would have hated it. Maybe we can't say that. I think he's been proven yeah, to be yeah. extremely yeah. correct yeah, about yeah, everything. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So... I, I want to. We we said it right before we started that we have a problem with King of Staten Island, yes. which we I love that movie. Yes, and I don't want him to get blackballed because he didn't ask yes. us to do this. Yes, but you cut too many Jimmy Tatro scenes. He's a good friend of ours. We love Jimmy. We love Jimmy. Nah, do you? Well, here's the thing. You know, when you do a firehouse and you got eight guys in the firehouse, you, what you're trying to do is give everybody a shot to score. Right. You know, but if you let one person fully dominate, then you got seven large men mad at me. Right, mm-hmm. right. right. And so, uh, but yes, Jimmy is so hilarious. And, and, and it's a favor for us, uh, to us, for him to be in the movie. And there's definitely moments when you're shooting and you're like, I wish that this movie had a major Jimmy storyline. Yeah. Because obviously he's a he's a big star and should be a, a, a bigger one. Yeah. But that's a frustrating thing for me generally, even in the bubble. There's so many incredible actors and actresses and I think they all had their shots and they score big. But most of them deserve their own movie. And that's kind of how I work. Like Jonah Hill has a couple of lines in uh something like Forty Year Old Virgin and then we go I think he should be the lead of the movie. Right. And then we we try to, with people, figure that out. What do you do with all of that footage of, because like, you know, reading about it and obviously watching all your films, there's an element of, of letting the camera roll. And I think you even said Fred Armisen in, in the bubble, yeah. like when he's going, you just let it go. Yeah. What, ha- what happens to it afterwards? Is there going to be a, a project at some point where you go through it all and and cuz i'm sure there's sure. hilarious moments that we never see. Well, like we put together this like 5 minute documentary about Fred's character, the director of this dinosaur action movie, you know, who won Sundance with a movie he made while he was working at a uh, Home Depot called Tiles of Love and we have all this extra footage of him directing everybody. And so that's uh online, you can you can find that uh maybe on the bubble Instagram or something. And so we keep making fake documentaries about the Cliff Beast world and about our world making it, and then we'll put up all the deleted scenes somewhere on YouTube or something. I mean, Blu-ray's gone. It used to be a fun place right. to store all of that, and I don't think that the streamers have decided that they want it there. So unless you're like a Criterion Edition Blu-ray, 
it, it's a little trickier. Yeah. Yeah. Do Do you think that the switch that we've kind of been forced into over the last couple of years, watching movies at home, do you think that's something that's going to like that's the new normal that's here to stay, or do you think that that something about going to the movie? Because I went, I what was it? I went to go see um, House of Gucci. Yeah. A couple months ago. And, you know, that's not really a movie that you need to see on the big screen. But the experience of being in a movie theater yeah. is something that, like, you forget how much better it is until you actually go experience it again. I feel like we've kind of reached that point now where it's going to take a big event or a big, um, like, blockbuster action movie to get everybody out of their own homes to go to a theater to watch it. I just hope that it doesn't continue down this path. But it kind of feels like I'm fighting against windmills if I, if yeah. I try to, like get people to go back to the movie theater, you know? I, I don't know what will happen once people are feeling better when the pandemic feels really over. Because I remember before the pandemic, there were like big movies like the Tarantino movie and and maybe it was the Wes Anderson movie before that. They just made a fortune. They were like really big movies. And people wanted to see a good movie, an original movie. And so like I saw Licorice Pizza uh, in L.A., and I thought in normal times, that would probably be a pretty big movie. I don't know what it did now. I saw The Batman the other day. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible in a movie theater. And you would hope that just like young people go, oh, I love the experience. Maybe I'll go see a comedy in a theater next. And not, I just need to see, you know, crime. Yeah, we yeah. saw Jackass Forever in the theaters. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, true. That's it was great. a lot of fun. Oh, I, I got to see that. That's my favorite stuff. Oh, oh my God. The best. It's, it's yeah. awesome. We always talk about how you could play yeah. that type of movie for anybody. Yeah. Maybe going back to caveman times, but like any, any culture. <laughs> my cat. Yeah, my yeah. cat will laugh at it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what I go to when I want a hard laugh, because a lot of comedy is like emotional or, hmm, you know, like you don't really laugh, but you appreciate the joke. And, you know, there are only a few things like Sasha Baron Cohen's work or jackass where you actually lose your shit yeah, yeah you, you can yeah. you can turn your brain off yeah, yeah. we laugh. did yeah. we did a uh, 2000s comedy draft on mm-hmm. on one of our podcasts yes. called the dog dog walk obviously your films took up like 65 percent of oh, the good. entire draft board but I, I took super bad number one overall in the entire draft i think that if i were to ask you like out of all your movies would you agree like that is the funniest of all of them i mean that's right up there i mean it's tricky because, you know, we, we work so hard into all of them. But I remember when we showed Superbad for the first time, it was at a like a in the valley, like in Burbank. And I asked Cameron Crowe if he wanted to come to give us notes. And it was the first time the audience had ever seen it. And it, the place exploded. It was like a Led Zeppelin concert. I mean, it was the hugest reaction. So that's always right near the top. The other one that I think holds up is Will and uh, Adam McKay's movie, Step Brothers. Mm -hmm. I feel like that one is just aging very well. Every time it's on, you just can't shut it off. Yeah, and I remember when that one came out, people didn't like love it right away. And then it slowly became, oh, this is an incredible movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's a movie that gets you through like some rough nights. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you're having a bad night and you play Step Brothers, it's going to do something. It's a stop on your TV movie. It's like yeah. Goodfellas, Step Brothers, Shawshank. If you see it, you yeah. just stop yeah. and you're like, all right, this is what I'm doing for the next couple hours. Yeah. So, um, you're, I mean, your career has been incredible. You're now, what, 30 plus years into it. Has there, Jesus, is there, a, is there a, a point where, that sounded it's, terrible. <laughs> yeah, that, well, no, but it's 30 plus years of incredible work. Is it harder, though, as you get older and like, you know, 
you're obviously have wealth and you have fame and your you know life is kind of settled is it harder to find that creative itch like constantly is it harder to be funny when 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 everything's more like okay you're not this like 20 year old yeah. trying to scratch and claw your way to the top i'm always yeah. fascinated by that because I, it does find at some point in someone's career it's like all right i've reached it what do i do now well you can just say i just want to do nothing right like that that could be like if you love leisure i don't really have a hobby mm-hmm. you know i i don't want to golf i don't do anything that's very time consuming so i'm always interested in how can you make these movies better can they be deeper can they be funnier like can how how do you go hard funny like with the bubble it was like this is like i don't know it's like a mel brooks tropic thunder style mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. like i've never done that tone before it's a little less emotional and a little nut more nuts uh and it's there's no way to know if it's going to work right. right so it always puts you on your toes cuz how do you know if a joke's going to work? There's no every joke like with drama, you can kind of tell when people are going to cry. Like you know when people are going to feel. You could do it not the best version, but but a joke is a mystery mm-hmm. every time. So it always keeps me interested and I always think that you can do it better somehow. So right. I just never lose interest in it. Okay, I mean that's yeah. a great answer. I mean that's kind of I guess you're right. Like you get to a point, like if, unless you have these hobbies, what else are you going to do? You're just going to try yeah. to keep entertaining people. That along that line, um, the bubble, like a lot of it, or, or, or piece of it, is the idea that like um, famous people, actors, comedians, they always have to be on for the people and hit that yeah. you know dopamine rush of I made someone laugh. During the pandemic, was there anyone? You don't have to say specifically, but that you knew or in your life where it's like, oh, they're kind of falling apart, not being able to like hit that button constantly. Oh, to get there. Yeah. Because, I mean, we struggled with it, too. You know, we have sports. We talk about sports most of the time. There was times where we're like, this this really sucks. We lost sports. Like we watched. We reviewed stupid, you know, uh, you know, reality shows. And like so so, Big Cat created a fictional video game coach that would play in games. and, And he was a college coach named Coach Duggs, yeah. and he would compete and like go through full seasons, and because people had nothing to do, that was the only sports that they could watch. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, we've we've lost our minds. We're like, we had 150,000 people watching me play a fake national championship game online. <laughs> we but had it's like, confetti that was and the, cigars and shit. Yeah, like <laughs> trying to find that thing of like, what yeah. what do we do? Did you yeah. did you struggle with that, and did you see other people struggling with that? I'm trying to think of like what other people were doing. I mean, I think that we, we're all crazy enough to just start working. Right. I mean, the thing about comedy is you could just take a year to write a script. So the world could shut down and you just go in your room and create some fantasy land. I mean, for me, I look at it like, wow, that must have been a real two-year nervous breakdown if I worked on a four-hour documentary, a book of 33 interviews, and a feature film that I made in a year from the moment I thought of it till I handed it in. Like, that's... Yeah. That, that's like, I, I should seek help. Yeah. But I didn't realize it during it. Yeah. Yep. I just thought, oh, we're making a movie. It's nice to get out of the house. And, and yet I'm juggling the other projects. And Billy Eichner is gearing up to shoot. And and you don't realize what you're doing till six months later when it, when we're talking about it. Like, 
that's a lot of stuff over a short period of time. I guess I really didn't want to sit in my head and think about life too much. And it's also, yeah, to think about it, um, in the moment, you're not, like, you just got back to work. You found a way yeah. to get back to work, which yeah. I, that that do, did fascinate me with the pandemic because there was that moment where it was like, you know, month or two months, three months into it. It's like, all right, so what are we going to do now? All right, well, let's try to figure out yeah. a way to get back to work. Yeah. And, and I, I guess... I think there was probably a moment in the beginning where I thought I was resting. Right. You know, for a few months. Like, oh, I can shut it all down. This is so nice. Maybe I'll just interview some people. I'll just interview a few people. Maybe I'll just start outlining this movie. Mm-hmm. And next yeah. thing you know, you're in London, like, building dinosaurs. Well, yeah. yeah, that's, that's <laughs> just, like, what you do. You yeah. know, like, you can yeah. try to stop it, but eventually you'll find your way back there. We're going to get back to Judd in a second. Before we do, I want to talk to you about Visible. Save today by switching over to Visible. It's wireless where you get family plan savings, no family needed. If maybe you're right out of college, maybe you're in your mid to late 20s, maybe you've been on your family plan for a while, you're used to that discount that you get from being just one of many lines, guess what? It's time now to break free, start on your own, get a new plan, and you can do it for family-type savings. It's that easy. With Visible, you get a single line, unlimited data, Talk, text, and hotspot for as low as twenty-five bucks a month, five G included. Tell me another wireless character carrier that's doing this right now. You can't do it because it doesn't exist. Bigger carriers have single-line plans that cost double what you would pay for a single-line plan at Visible. With those other carriers, you'd have to make some serious long-term, life-changing commitments, like marrying your best friend just to get a deal. But with Visible, you can save from the start. No family or awkward personal commitments needed. Check out Visible. You can get it for as low as 25 bucks a month. That's a single line, unlimited data, talk, text, and hotspot. For data management practices, learn more at visible.com. Additional terms apply. I was um, I was reading your Wikipedia page. That's how I do most of my preparations. It's so all is, on there. This Everything. is probably extremely accurate. But it, it said that you were um, you did four tracks on Adam Sandler's <laughs> 1996 comedy yes. album. What the hell happened to me? Is that accurate? That is accurate. So I, that, I'm part of that. I'm a part of Cock and Balls. I'm part of uh, Sex or Gym. Yeah. I, I play the cop in uh, one of the uh, the cop sketches. Um, is, and uh, yeah, I'm on three or four. I think I, maybe I was one of the writers on the song, Steve Polychronopoulos. Great tune. So that was a, a funny moment because, you know, Sandler especially at that moment, had so much energy to make stuff. Right. And he loved being funny, and he loved making stuff. So the second there was a pause at SNL, he would just go in the studio and and just start making sketches and making songs, and, and he just loved it so much. I think he also enjoyed that he could get some of the best musicians in the history of rock and roll to make these epic comedy rock songs like Waddy Wachtel from... Stevie Nicks and Warren Zevon's band, and he's got like John Lennon's drummer, and and he really enjoyed it. And there's just so much energy in those records. I think they hold up, and they get crazier as they go on. Yeah, like the 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 all songs ones are, are really funny. I mean, the Goat Opera. Mm-hmm. Come on, people, listen <laughs> yeah. to the Goat Opera yeah. again. I mean, that, yeah. that to me, growing up, that was one of the one of the like focal points of me and my friend group was okay somebody <laughs> would get their hands on an Adam Sandler CD yeah. and then we just sit around listening to it like that was a that was a very big part of comedy culture back yeah. in the mid 90s i don't see any nobody's really making sketch comedy albums anymore yeah not in a while norm macdonald made one back in the day 
not a lot of people know about that one. Um, Medium Pace. Remember that song? Yep. That was mm-hmm. that was a real good one. Yeah, mm-hmm. what was the last great sketch comedy album? I don't know. Eminem always puts a few sketches in between mm-hmm. his tracks. Yeah. Those are hit or miss. Yeah, well, maybe that's that's the next move. That's the next thing. Yeah. Do you ever uh, worry about, like, how your comedy ages? I know that's a shitty yeah. question, but, like, we, I, we obviously were not you, but we're in the same line of we produce content every day, and then if you're like, oh, what would you say this five years ago? It's like, yeah. well, I don't know. It's a yeah. different time. I mean, for me, I really always thought that it was about immature people. Mm-hmm. So all the bad behavior in there is very purposeful. I'm trying, I mean, like, if you watch Knocked Up, they're trying to start an internet site that tells you where all the nude scenes are in right. all the movies. And they think they're geniuses mm-hmm. for it, but it's in there because we're, we're trying to show that, when, you know, when you're young, you have a few years to be a knucklehead and bounce around with your friends before you try to behave like normal people behave. Yeah. And when he gets Katherine Heigl's character pregnant, it ends instantly. He loses that time of his life. And so there's a lot of things in it that I, I don't think are are good, but they're kind of bad because I want him to need to stop. Right. Right. Yeah. It's kind of showing it. Yeah. I could see that for sure. So as you were um as you were getting started in I know that you like wrote for SNL things like that. I I would assume that most people that get into comedy do so because they want to perform their own comedy. And for you, you were a writer. You were writing jokes for other people. Is that something that kind of you found yourself going down that path? Or is that something that from the get-go you found yourself being more gravitated to to collaborating with others as opposed to making it for yourself? Well, I never got on SNL. I always wanted to get on SNL. I, I got some bits that I wrote. I wrote a monologue for Roseanne and, and some things with Adam that, that got on. But I was never there as a writer, which I always dreamed of doing I, I created the Ben Stiller show with Ben the sketch show and that was my the, the main sketch thing that I did but I think early on just because I was such a, a fan I just knew that I wasn't going to be like Jim Carrey and, I, and anyone would feel that way you know you'd watch Jim Carrey as a young person go on stage and improvise his entire set and all the stuff he could do physically and his ideas were so bizarre and amazing and I would I would watch him and think I don't think I'm going to be able to do that yeah and what am I going to be able to do because I can write for that I can help him with that yeah but I'm never going to be able to do that and then I would see somebody else like saying I'm like I don't think I'm going to be able to do that either. And and there's, you know, just like in any profession, any creative profession, some people are just way better than everybody else. I mean, if, you know, I just met Kenneth Branagh. And you're like, yeah, there's a reason why he's Kenneth Branagh. He's better than everybody else at this thing or Denzel Washington. And that's how he felt as a comedy fan. I knew who, they, who the ones were mm-hmm. that were going to break out. And I never looked in the mirror and said, like, and me yeah, yeah right, I, th- right. I think that's awesome right. though i think that's that's um like a, a lot of comedians or a lot of people who are into comedy like big cat was alluding to earlier they love the dopamine rush they love you know making somebody laugh making somebody like them as they're performing it but there's other ways that you can get that similar sort of satisfaction and i guess maybe maybe for you was it the satisfaction of creating something that brought joy to somebody else and watching them enjoy something that you had you had a hand in making as opposed to delivering yourself? 
I think I had to let go of the idea that I was going to be able to do some of the things that they did as performers. And later on, I got to do a Netflix stand-up special. And I, you know, I just hosted the Directors Guild Awards. So I get a little taste of being a stand-up comedian, you know, more in a Carl Reiner tradition of hosting and things like that, which, by the way, I, I, I love. Like, I, I get to be funny on stage. I do all these events at Largo. But I, I wasn't going to be electric uh, and I did have fun thinking of things for people like Jim Carrey because, you know, I remember I wrote a sketch with him for In Living Color that they did. There was like four or five sketches that we wrote together. One was Dickie Peterson, Cherub of Justice, which was a little bit of a precursor to the cable guy. And it was just like kind of a loser guy who protected a 7-Eleven. And he was just in a 7-Eleven wandering around protecting it from anyone who might come in and try to steal anything. And they did it on the show and it murdered, then they did it again. And so I would have these moments like, wow, I got to write for the best comedian in the world and see what he would do with it. Um, there was another sketch where Jim was a self-defense instructor and he keeps giving a, a knife to the women in the class and saying, okay, I'll show you how to protect yourself. Come at me with a knife. And they would say, Really? And he's like, yeah, come on, you won't be able to do anything. And then every single time, they do stab him. <laughs> and it's just a very silly sketch, but Jim is the best performer ever. And yeah, the thrill of seeing that made me realize, oh, I, I do enjoy that. I have, I mean, the fun of watching Fred Armisen be funny in the bubble is pretty up there. Yeah, so uh, Freaks and Geeks, high school drama, you, you you know you create that it's nineteen eight it's set in nineteen eighties. Your daughter now in twenty twenty two. That's right. Is in Euphoria. Yeah, that's strange. That's a little bit of a change in high school. Yeah. What have you <laughs> when you watch Euphoria? You're like, is this what it is now? Well, maybe you the Euphoria thing was happening yeah. in Freaks and Geeks, but the geeks never got to see it. Yeah, uh, they but were not invited to those parties. It's shock. I watched the first. I have, to, have yet to watch the second season of Euphoria. Yeah. I have two young children. And I'm I'm like dreading yeah. it because I'm like, <laughs> it's going to even be worse in ten years when they go to high school. So yeah, I, I mean, do you see that? And you're like, whoa, this is. Times have definitely changed. Well, yeah, I mean, it is uh, it is very different, but I guess on some some level, if you really broke it down, there's elements that are the same. You know, I remember that Paul Figo, he said that in high school, there were some kids that really wanted to grow up and be adults, and they were trying to act like adults, and then there were other kids trying so hard to stay children, and they really were scared to death of everything and loved being little kids and that's a lot of what he was writing about so some of that is the same thing i mean euphoria is a lot about like trauma and right. the trauma of childhood that leads you to make a lot of bad decisions and the second season is pretty incredible because they really it all builds to an idea that's kind of beautiful and emotional and surprising for how shocking so much of it is right that he had a large thought it almost feels like the two seasons is one Big idea, season, yeah, yeah, the yeah. one idea. But I, I'm, I'm very proud of Maude. I mean, she, she, she really does some remarkable work. Yeah. in the second season, definitely. Uh, do you think there is such thing as the Judd Apatow cinematic universe? Is there a storyline yeah. like seven years from now? Are yes. you going to release a film <laughs> and it's like this is what I've tied together throughout the last thirty years of my career? That's interesting. And just everyone is in one thing. Well, I yeah. love like when we do like this is forty off of Knocked Up or yeah. Get Him to the Greek off of Forgetting Sarah Marshall 
like anytime we can spin out something, I get a kick out of it. I don't know how many will get into the same thing, but it's worth trying. I think that there's like there's enough theories out there on Reddit and just on the <laughs> internet at large where they've they've probably already connected the dots for you a little bit. But it's always funny seeing yeah. people do like the fan theories that if you present them to the people that actually created it, they would read uh, and be like, "These people are insane." Mm-hmm. Well, it would be fun to try to make a movie where people just keep crossing through, like Erica, the woman who worked at the like the quickie mart and super bad that got robbed and just like all right i'm gonna start thinking i never thought about yeah. it in this way mm-hmm. yeah but now i'm thinking altogether. about it like the last season of the wire i remember like there was a big montage when the wire ended and then you saw that that one cop who had met this stripper season two and they'd show him they've never shown it before he's married to her right <laughs> and there's right. a bunch of those that happen yeah it's like the, I mean, Pixar does that, right? They put a, they put like a little tickler to the next yeah. movie coming out. Where like, if you watch Toy Story, you can see a car in the background that's gonna be Cars. Oh wow! And it's mostly people yeah. who have too much time on their hands, yeah. like yeah. just really going through yeah. these movies. So the bubble, uh, which again is out April first on Netflix. Was there any moment while you're filming this? Because it's obviously a movie about doing a movie during a pandemic but you also are literally doing a movie during a pandemic was there ever a moment where you got like confused with yourself you're like wait so this is <laughs> what which one so it's I? like mass protocols is a joke but we also have to follow this <laughs> like yeah the whole thing i think there'd be moments where i just get confused on my own idea i think the main confusion was is this funny <laughs> you know, like there would be moments where we would be shooting something and it would be about like the stress of being cooped up. Say, like we have two montages where people have to do their their two week quarantines, and and everyone is losing their mind, and we're montaging them falling apart. And so it was a lot of improvisations of just people exercising or watching TV or crying or drinking alone or masturbating, and and then there just would be a moment where we look at each other and go like. Is this funny or just real? Yes, yeah, yeah, right. actually, right. like, I, oh, actually did, I actually tried to fuck that screen in my hotel room yeah. last night. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So, was, there, was there anything that got added to the movie as you were experiencing the actual quarantine where you, you learned or you had an experience in the bubble and you're like, we, this is funny enough where we should actually put this part into the movie? I mean, in a way, it's the whole movie is that. You know, we would have a conversation about something and then it would it would go in. And a lot of it was... Is it worth making a movie right now? Like, is it worth the risk to have a crew and make and make a movie, or is it actually not worth the risk and we shouldn't do it? And then that's what they're saying in the movie: like, no one needs Cliff B six. We already have five of them, and you could say that about the bubble. But we're also making the bubble while making fun of people who think that they need to make a movie. Right. And then we would be like, but don't, the, cr- the crew needs work. Like, right. Like, you can't shut down everyone's ability to make a living. And the crew's thrilled that we're making a movie. And we kind of need a job. And I think people need something to watch. <laughs> Although, is that arrogant to think they need this? You're doing the, this are, is are what, we the baddies? This is where my, yeah, this <laughs> is where my confusion, yeah. yeah I, I can see you. Like, am I an asshole for thinking I <laughs> need to provide this movie? And then they say that in the movie. They're like, we're, 
you know, we're we're very important. We're as important as first responders. We're like giving people distractions. We're bringing them joy. And then are like, is that what we think we're doing? Yeah. And uh-huh. we kind of do, but we're also saying that we're assholes for thinking it. And then your brain just explodes. Yeah. I, I yes. Yeah, so you sum that up perfectly. I have a general gripe against Hollywood. This isn't mm-hmm. you specific. I, yeah. I don't actually think that you fall into this, but I'm using you as a proxy for yes. for Hollywood. For everyone. The, the entity. Why do all movies have to be two and a half hours now? Why can't we just do a 90-minute movie? I mean, everybody has, has lifted up. I, I personally was always a fan of, like, the 2205 comedy because when you when you cut to 90, you lose most of the character work. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, if people could sit for another 10 minutes, you really get a lot out of that 10 minutes, and some people give me a hard time about it, which I, I don't mind. When I see them on TV, I'm glad I, I did it. But the 235 to 250 thing mm. has really exploded a bit. But I have to say... Having just watched The Batman, I really enjoyed it. It is crazy, though, to see a movie that's like 2.45. You're like, I don't have the time for this. And then yeah. you just watch five episodes of The Office. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, wait, well, that, what? <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I would always say, because people yeah. would give me shit. Like, Your movies are so long. I'm like, And then you'll fucking watch four hours of The Bodyguard yeah, or whatever right, yeah. show oh, you're watching. Oh, it happens every time. And you're just like, wait, what yeah. I do? Or you just sit on your phone yeah. and you watch two and a half hours of TikTok yeah. in like 30 seconds. That's actually a good idea for a movie. Just just curate TikTok yeah. mm-hmm. and then put exactly. it on a big screen, and so everybody sits down. This is where it all ends. And gets I think the Rob community. Deerdeck did that already. Who did? No, I'm just kidding. Rob Deerdeck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you just <laughs> yeah. you just sit in front of a big screen, thirty second clips for two and a half hours. That would be good. But but certainly I've seen movies and I'm like, God, how long is this fucking movie? Thinking I'm in like hour three, and I look and I'm like thirty eight minutes. Yeah, in. yeah. I mean, yeah. usually it is. If you're in a world you love to be in. A lot of times you don't want to leave it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like Avatar. Oh. Have you considered making a movie that's so visually appealing that people <laughs> leave the theater and want to kill themselves because they don't live inside your world? I have that's thought about good. that. Yeah. Well, now that I've made some dinosaurs and I understand like how it works, Yeah. Uh-huh. I finally have done some special effects and some action. I, I did create a world. So, And it's so funny because I'm working with all the, the CGI artists and they're the same people who make you know, like the Jurassic dinosaurs, but because we're a joke, they're pitching jokes, and they're so happy to pitch right. jokes. Mm-hmm. Right, and they're all like, "What if their balls explode?" I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> good. You finally can get that in a movie." <laughs> yeah, what's that process like? If you're working with a CGI person, like, do you see the initial uh, like screen of what the dinosaur is going to look like, and you're like, "You know what? Could we put? Could his? Could his testicles be bigger?" I mean, I cannot tell you the amount of time I spent designing the penis of the dinosaur. <laughs> I may have spent more time on that than writing the script uh, because we there's a whole funny joke about what the penis of the dinosaur looks like. And we're like, it should look a little bit like it's translucent, like a jellyfish, mm-hmm. but it glows like an alien. And Fred has a whole monologue about it. Like, it doesn't look like a normal penis. And and. It is maybe the most detailed penis you've ever seen in film history. <laughs> we have uh, actually a consultant, Billy Billy Football, is really into <laughs> reptiles and amphibians. Yes. If you ever need a guy to tell you how to make different penises, vi- yeah, different penis. He's yeah. he's your cock guy. Um, yeah. All right, so I la- one last question. It's yes. the Roback question. Go to Roback.com. Use promo code Take. You get twenty percent off. We yeah. have a Q zip for you if you want it. It's unbelievable. Roback. R H O B A C K. Twenty percent off with code Take. All right, we play this with. Every uh, celebrity, athlete, anyone who comes in the studio, mm-hmm. we play this game. It's called, when was the last time you deleted a tweet? 
Oh, that's funny. <laughs> when was the last time you deleted a tweet, John? Um, I deleted one this morning. It was, uh, you know, it was about the environment. I like your I like your strategy. Just ignoring that's the way to go. With well, you got to ignore it because the truth is, twenty percent of everybody hates you at all times. Correct. And then every once in a while, you just say anything, and then people love to attack. Uh, even if you say the most simplistic thing in the world, like. Maybe we shouldn't punch Chris Rock. Uh, there's a lot of people who are just like, what? Yeah. Next time, yeah. just a tip, you should just do our good friend Adam Schefter. Uh, you just tweet assault. That's what he does whenever he sees assault on a, on a screen. He so just writes it. It's assault, period. Yeah. That's it. I, I mean, the thing about Twitter also is like everything disappears in a day and a half. Right. Yep. Especially when you delete it. Yeah. And, and also, when you delete <laughs> stuff, like last night, I just like... I just also found it funny. Like it was just like a, you just start writing like your jokes, right? On what's oh, happening. Yeah, no, it became open mic yeah. night on Twitter. Yeah, yes. and it, which is fun to just read. Like, okay, what what is the the joke on this? And then at some point you're like, oh, I've lost my mind. I'll just get rid of all these. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, I don't need everything to live everywhere all the time. I like that. But people take things seriously in ways that you don't mean seriously. Other than. You know, I go to award shows. I'd like to feel like the, the stage is safe. Yeah. You know, I'd like to feel but like we can do jokes. Wouldn't it be fun if it was just like, hey, this award show, if you win an award, there's one person who's going to win an award tonight that will get slapped. Well, how about this? What if the whole award show is basically the set of Mad Max? And it's Thunderdome. And it's all Thunderdome. Wait, are you talking about like celebrity deathmatch where all the A-list celebrities? Yes. Yes, I would watch that. Well, next next time you come on, I can explain my entire theory that there should be a rule in professional sports that every athlete gets to fight one fan a year because it just keeps everything kind of, you know, like one fan that goes crazy and starts yelling at someone. It's like, all right, come out here. I'm fighting you in center court. This is the debate America's. America's going to have right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should this we is, fight one fan a year? They're just like, what are the scenarios where yeah. that, those lines get crossed? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, or you know? what you could do with your Twitter. I, I do this when I have a take that ages extremely poorly. I just copy uh, Jay Williams' tweet when he claimed that he got hacked. Yeah. So you can just say that you got hacked and say, as it relates yeah. to my Will Smith tweet that came from my account a couple hours ago, I did not post that. Yeah. And my passcode has now been changed. Yeah. Exactly. Or what I do, whenever my teams lose heartbreaking fashion, I just pretend that yeah. I'm selling PS5s online. So, <laughs> and, then, and, and then you feel yeah. better? Yeah. No, because everyone's like, oh, he's hacked again. It's like, no, I just tweeted. Yeah, so. exactly. But, uh, Judd, this has been awesome. Thank you for, for stopping by in person. Thank again, you. the bubble out on April 1st, uh, sicker in the head out March 29th. And the George Carlin documentary coming out in a few weeks, right? Yeah, and I'll be at the 92Y with uh, Rami Youssef this week. Uh, I forgot what day it is. Thursday? Wednesday? Thursday? What? Thursday? Thursday. And then we're screening the movie Wednesday at the Paris Theater in New York if you want to see it on a screen with me talking afterwards. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Big news, guys. You can now listen to the SXM app. At home or anywhere you are, you can stream it all on your phone. You can stream it online. 425 channels are waiting for you on the SiriusXM app. Enjoy ad-free music channels for every genre, artist-dedicated channels, and much, much more. Never worry about missing any games because the SXM app has live play-by-play of games from every major sports league, like the NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL. You can stay informed with world-class news from every angle. You can hear the brightest stars in entertainment with original talk and exclusive comedy. 
only on the SXM app. The SXM app exclusives include ad-free extra music channels, podcasts, including Sirius XM app originals, and on-demand video of in-studio performances and interviews. Subscribe now. Get your first three months for free of the SXM app. Visit SiriusXM.com slash PardonMyTakeOffer to sign up. Offer details apply. Again, visit SiriusXM.com slash PardonMyTakeOffer to sign up today. Okay, let's wrap up. We've got Firefest of the Week. Hank. I got a couple. Okay. Yeah? One is a dryer fest. Um, Your dryer's broken? It is like... I have to do two cycles of drying. Did you remember to, to clean out the lint filter? Yes. Are you I thought sure? I did I did positive? this. I cleaned it out. It was really like there was yeah. a lot in there. And I'm like, oh I fixed it. Did not fix have it. Have you tried unplugging it and then plugging it back in? Uh it's kind of in like a closet where you can't like I don't even know how I would go about doing that. Okay. What about the, the where the air goes out? That's probably full of lint too. I gotta look back into it. Uh, it's an issue because, you know, usually in like three hours you can do multiple loads of laundry, but it's like, I can just do one load of laundry in like th- in, in three hours and, and then I'm always behind in my laundry. So that's, that's my dryer fest. Uh, and then my other fire fest was, wait, so are your clothes wet right now? No, I just have to like, it just takes, it takes a long you've time been to looking, dry anything. You've been looking damp recently. Yeah. You've really damp. Like kind of moist. Hank's been coming down to, to, uh, the content floor. And just has like a smile on his face. Mm-hmm. Like, get the get the well, fuck out of here! I know, you I know. Suit. Big Cat just looks over me and then just like, in 1997, <laughs> in two percent state. Do you remember that? I went upstairs last Friday to talk to Hank, and I asked people upstairs. I was like, "Where does Hank work?" And people were like, "Hank works upstairs now." <laughs> they didn't know, and so I walked around trying to find somebody that knew. And I had to have somebody escort me to the other side of the entire floor because Hank has his own wing upstairs. What? I don't have my it's, own wing. It, no, Hank. I it, just put my desk where there was no one else because it's quiet. Hank there. has oh. probably 30 desks and for himself. It's, it's a, me and Enrique. It's a good look. Damn. Anyway, I decided I saw that uh, laser tweet and not really thinking about it. I said that soccer is a joke, like the fact that. You know, your spot at the World Cup is determined by a fucking penalty kick with laser beams getting shot in your face is mm-hmm. a joke. And I didn't really think about it. It was just a fact. And then, like, I just can't go on Twitter. Oh, uh, the soccer I heads are mute, I, I don't mute notifications. I had to mute the notifications. Yeah. yeah. It was it was absurd. Like, the, the discourse going on was too much. Well, Hank, also... There's no argument. Also, it's a joke. But that same thing happened to the other country when they were playing in a game. That's earlier. a joke too. Yeah, the sport, is the sport is a joke. It's not a joke. The sport is a beautiful a, game. A, uh, to go to the World Cup, like or the uh, you know NHL finals, it was penalty kicks, and also there was like banana peels on the ice. That'd be kind of funny. That'd be very funny. Yeah, but the a joke. NHL should implement. Yeah, it's that. like but a it's joke. Savannah bananas. Yeah, the no, you're soccer right. is Savannah bananas. I mean, yeah. the entire sport. But counterpoint, you're 12 yards away. You should be able to make a penalty kick, even if they're laser. You should do that with your eyes closed. There you should have so seen many lasers. The, 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 yeah, and people are like, you don't know what that does to your cornucopia and like all this shit. Like, <laughs> cornucopia, whatever. Cornea. Yeah. But how about how about the lads? Are 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 you at least like a little no. bit excited about the lads? I was I was rooting for five nil. So, well, that wouldn't have done anything. And had six to be nil, six whatever. Nil. Yeah, well, it's coming home. I just wish make it out of pool play, and I'll I'll watch. We I do make w- it out of pool play frequently. We just I always just, lose to Ghana. I just wish it was on during the summer. I like the World Cup in the summer. I get into the World Cup in the summer. The fact that it's in the fall is like, come on, man. If you just say it's coming home enough, it becomes uh, more exciting. Damn. 
Uh, all right, your Firefest PFT. So my Firefest of the week, I actually just found out about maybe two minutes before we started taping part of my take. Uh-oh. And I'm a little bit concerned about it. So Uh-oh. we are getting on a flight, and I'm boarding the flight in about five hours, five Uh-oh. and a half hours from now. What's going on? Um, my ID is expired. Oh, that's okay. that doesn't matter. I thought I I, I also You're thought good. it was like weather related. We all were gonna die. Just no. you have a problem. That's fine. yeah. No, it's me. It's, yeah, yeah, well, it's yeah, my no. fire. Fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, you're fine. Also, my passport is expired. So you can you okay? But I'm not even. So the the flight is one thing because I I have clear. It's TSA pre check on steroids, and I'm more concerned about the fact that once I get to New Orleans. I won't be able to get into certain establishments I, because I've expired identification. I, or I, mine's room. been expired for like six months. Yeah, I think yeah. you're yeah. fine. Actually, yeah, you're you fine. know what? It's New Orleans. Yeah. That's yeah. probably the one that yeah. you don't need to even be alive to get yeah. put into bars down there. I've Pull gone on to Instagram. Yeah, I've gone on to a... You can get into the uh, airport uh, without an ID, period. Yeah. They just like go through your whole life. That was me in Nashville. That was me in Minneapolis when I found uh, Bubba <laughs> asleep in a sauna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my mine was in uh, Vegas too. I yeah, think it happened to us. Yeah, yeah. It can. I mean, you they 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 just ask you ten billion questions and like pat you down and look through all your luggage. Yeah, about but it like happens. like old relatives like, yeah. of yours and shit like well, shit you that you would it. never know. But yeah, you guys don't think it'll be a problem to get into bars in New Orleans? No. <laughs> okay. Good. No. No. All right. Cool. No. All right, no, Firefest over. Yeah. That's the fastest Firefest of all time. Uh, my Firefest is pretty simple. It's just a pre-Firefest. I really don't know what I'm going to do when Duke wins on Saturday night. Hank is, he is insufferably smug. And people who, like, I can't remember who I was talking to. Someone was like, I'm surprised Hank, oh, I think it was Roan. He was like, I'm surprised Hank didn't shove it in your face after the Texas Tech game. I was like, Hank knows by now that he can just sit in the room with a smile, a little smile on his face, and it will drive me 10 billion times angrier than if he just, like, yelled in my face. This one's also a lot easier because, like you said, you're not even gambling it because it's emotional. Like, the game of the year, I know that that it's, like... Yeah, there was a lot par- of money. It's yeah. partially losing, but it's also, like, you lost money, so it's tough to be like, ha, ha, ha. This will just be, you know, pure laughs. Yeah. Pure joy. Mm. Mm. I'd be ashamed if the, the CLP loses. Duke is in it. Yeah, but that's that's just witchcraft from you. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's it can't lose. It literally can't lose. It's in the name, it would be a shame. I think it'd be I a think, shame if if Kansas Kansas was the reason it lost. Yeah, that would actually really suck. The lot. worst possible situation is if Duke wins in the semifinals and then loses in the national championship. Because I feel like you've said the the worst for me. Worst possible situation. No, I'm just saying I, I don't for the podcast in general because then. We, like we get kind of the joy of Coach K losing a little bit, right? Uh, but also Hank's upset I would take because that. Duke doesn't win. But it's not like a full celebration. Oh no, I'd take it. I, I, no, I'd fully celebrate. I would just be, I would be tickled pink if Coach K lost to UNC. It's the, it's the biggest college basketball game since since Magic Bird, and also Gonzaga Baylor, yep. as told to us by Rico Bosco. Uh Billy, your Firefest. So I was trying to catch a train. Uh, and when you get to the station, you see how long it takes before the train leaves. I had a good old zero minutes to left. So I had to, like, get to the turnstile. It was all going to plan. Uh, get down the stairs. They were, like, giving out the, the doors are now closing. Full send it into closing doors. Uh, get in. Foot gets caught in the oh. door. Face plant, kind of. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but honestly, I don't like to think of things negatively. I fucking made that train. Because yeah. the next one was in 36 minutes. I would have been late. Whoa. So that was, uh, f- that was a pretty awesome 
move, but I did just like fall in front of a lot of people. This would be what, like your third time unintentionally ending up on subway creatures? Yeah. We don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> the um, the I, funniest thing I, that people ever do to us is send us pictures, like screenshots of pictures of Billy that are on other popular Instagram accounts where they don't know that it's Billy doing right. it. I it's love the best. That. You're all over the place. I thought you were going to say you got on. You ended up getting on the wrong train. I've done that where I've just yeah. like hauled ass, hopped on, and then looked up and been like, "Whoops, wrong train." <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was it, it was a positive in the end. Yeah, you made the train. You exactly. made the train. You made the train. All right, Jake. Uh, one is happening to me right now. I'm trying to print these little things for you, and I'm having issues. What? Yeah. Well, no, Memes said he's going to print it. What's yeah, what? I'm talking to Memes. Oh, wait, he's having issues? He asked me to do it because I have connection to the printer, but... Fuck. Having issue with the double-sided apart, thing. Cat. No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep trying, but... No. How many do you need to print up? Oh, I just wanted to print them for us, but I want also the people... I'm going to tweet out the link yeah, so, so the people we can should, have it. I mean, we at the... Worst case scenario, we can just, just make them again. ourselves with our handwriting. I ask oh, me, uh, memes. I'm gonna ask memes to pick them up. Okay, bring them in. Or uh, take them to Kinko's. If it worked. Yeah. God damn it! I hope this works. My plan. This would really. I got to use everything I got. I have everything I got going against. Uh, and then also, back to back meals. The last two days, they just forgot my meat on my salad. What? Damn. Yeah. You've been meatless. Yeah. I damn. walked into. Uh, me and Jake went together to get salads the other day, and. He walked in like the king of the castle. Yo, they know him. Yeah, he, it's he, like cheers. There him. was a line. There was a line out the door, and Jake just bypasses them. And and the worker who's in the middle of making a salad just like turns around, grabs his food, and it's like, here you go. Yeah. And I was just like, what? No words spoken. You, you ever make man. small talk? I with said them? thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You ever like chat them up, or Double is it just they, they no? They're very you. busy, so I just say, hey, thank you. That's Have nice a good of you, one, Jake. Mm-hmm. See you tomorrow. Yeah. But no meat. So how much no do they really like you? I know, but it's okay. Yeah, I guess so. They're good to me. If anyone gets this right, this number right, they get to declare who's going to win the title. Six. And it will be, it will be right. Six. 91. 22. 25. 95. I want to switch from 69, but if 69 hits, I'd never forgive myself. Just say 69. 69. No one's going for the three, three in a row. What was that, 72? 76. Come on. 24. It's oh, a great number. So close. I, as the person who was the closest. Oh, I had 25. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so you, do you decided. Do we want a jinx? What? Do we want no, no you, you, you have the you power What's your decide? bracket say, Jake? What's your bracket say? Jake, you do it. What's your bracket say? Don't be worried about what Big Cat's going to do. And don't, don't be worried, worried about what Hank's yeah. doing. You have both of I'm us. This is you, what Jake. you've said this in the is past. You. Jake, decide. Three, about your bracket. two, one. Duke's winning. No! Let's go! <laughs> you fucking asshole! Jake, that's your boss. Damn it! You know what you just I did? You know what I've you, been wrong before. Do you know what Shit, you've done? man. <laughs> Why? This is your fault now. It's your fault. Well, it that's is. a lose. No, no, it is. no, 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 that's no, 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 no. It's your fault. It is 100% your fault. so much. If I said if Duke wins, you nope, see, nope, your fault. The mob your comes fault. after me nope, saying nope, you jinxed it. Nope, if I say Duke. Nope. Jake, so thank really you, Jake. Very cool. Jake's I hope, very you know what? Cool. Coach K should let you cut down the nets with very him cool. on Monday. Because you have just as much a part of it as Paolo Benchero. Very cool. I mean. <laughs> brutal, man. Jake. We're starting the college. Ba- we're ending the college basketball season the same way we started it. Yeah. yeah. Just letting me down. <laughs> you know that what you've done is you've just highlighted yourself as, as the main scapegoat. Now, It'd be a shame if I'm points. wrong. 
Would be. You're not going to be wrong. I know. You have superpowers. <laughs> I know. You don't even believe it. You don't even believe it. That's our show. We'll see everyone on Sunday night. Love you guys. Ben Franklin originally wanted the turkey to be the bird of America as opposed to the bald eagle. You know who the real turkey is? Obama. Listen to this track, bitch. Talking away. Well, I don't know what I'm to say. I'm saying anyway. Today's another day to find you shining away. Oh, I'll be coming for your love, okay? Shining away. Oh, I'll be coming for your love, okay? Take on me. Better to be safe than sorry. Take on.